You are listening to Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour, a podcast released on the first three Wednesdays of the month. Family crisis, relationship crisis, addiction crisis, no two crisis situations are the same. They vary by family, individual, and relationship. They can encompass complex family dynamics, emotional distress, anger issues, and entitlements, and often involve substance abuse. This podcast addresses these issues and others surrounding the addiction epidemic currently plaguing this country and the world. There is hope and help. Are you stuck, scared, or unsure of what to do next? If a situation with a loved one, spouse, or even a child has started to spiral, possibly becoming dangerous or threatening, it's time to seek help. My name is Scott H. Silverman. I help families navigate crisis situations. I'm the person you turn to in order to get you and your loved ones unstuck. Welcome back. This is Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour. My name is Michael Glenn Moore. I'm Scott's co-host, and today we have another special guest. So, Scott, why don't you introduce yourself and our guest, and let's get the show on the road. All right. Well, uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Michael, good to hear from you. And this is uh, Scott H. Silverman. This is uh, our happy hour where we do things on a weekly basis to help get information out to our listeners and hope that we can not only reduce the stigma around addiction, but find ways to help families and their loved ones get access to treatment and to uh, get the best and highest level of care. So you can always reach me at yourcrisiscoach.com. And you can also call me at area code 619-993-2738, 619-993-2738. And I haven't heard from anybody this week, so I'd like to hear from you. And I know Michael wants to hear from you because what we want to hear is, what is it you want us to talk about? What's important to you? What answers to your questions aren't you getting maybe in your community that we can help you from our community? All right, with that, let's just jump right in. I've got a close colleague and a good buddy of mine. His name is Mark Gladden, and Mark's going to be our guest today. And I'm going to let Mark kind of tell us a little bit about himself. And then I've got some questions, if it's okay with you, Mark, that we're going to tee up. And before the end of the show, we're going to let people know that they're, remind them anyway, that there's hope and help out there. And you're one of those individuals at the forefront of trying to make things happen in a way to help not only save lives, but help people know that there's options and opportunities for access to treatment, getting better, and recovery, and knowing that, you know, there is resources that they can attach to. So with that, Absolutely. Mark Gladden, tell us about yourself and what, uh, what the listener might want to know. And do me a favor. We like to do this up front. Give us your contact info because, you know, some people will okay. turn on a podcast and they'll just go, oh, I don't really want to hear the whole thing. Well, here's what sure. you need. Your name, your number, your contact info, and we don't charge you for that today, but one day when we have a huge audience, we might be sending you an invoice. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll pay for it, that's for sure. Thanks. Uh, My name is Mark Gladden. I'm the president and CEO of Present Moments Recovery in San Diego. Our website is presentmomentsrecovery.com. Our phone number is area code 619-363-4767. That's 619-363-4767. And we answer the phone almost 24 hours a day. And we want to hear from people that are afflicted with the disease of addiction, men or women, young or old, resources or little resources, so we can point them in the right direction to find the help that they so desperately need. And 
we, we operate a residential inpatient treatment center in San Diego, licensed by the Department of Health for six people or less. And that means that the treatment center is located in a single family home on a single family street, uh, much like any of us in the United States live in. And we're blessed to be able to have a beautiful street with kids riding around outside, and parents frolicking around, taking care of their children, while we teach people inside the house how to uh, maintain a sober lifestyle. So we're very proud of the work that we've done with about 15 people on staff, and we operate uh, 24-7. We've been doing that for close to six years now, and you know, we're honored to be part of the San Diego Recovery Community, which is where you know, me, and I, uh, me and Scott met uh, many years ago, uh, talking about how we can you know, develop a continuum of care model in order to keep people in treatment longer. And that's a, a lot about what we're going to talk about today. So, Mark, because um, you have a cute story, t- tell them about our first conversation together, how much fun that was. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> it still sticks out as if it was yesterday. You know, as we say, well, I, I, I was new to the industry, you remember? And, and I'd only I, been in, I was only in it one year. I mean, I was you, like, you know. You were, but you had so much sobriety under your belt that you were kind of like this, this Yoda of recovery. And so a, a, a mutual friend of ours uh, asked me to, to, call, to call somebody. Uh, it was a psychologist in San Diego. And so I spoke to this psychologist and he said, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the industry. I'm a doctor and I see patients and stuff, but you really got to call this guy, Scott Silverman. You know, he's tapped in, he's in recovery, he's got a treatment center and, you know, it, you just got to get to know him. But when you call him, you have to do me a favor. And I don't know this doctor from, from anyone, right? And I said, okay, sir, you know, what would you like me to find out? He's all, I want you to tell me how many times he says the word beep on your conversation. I'm like, you're serious? This guy that doesn't know me is going to say the F word on you know, the phone? He's like, yeah. And I think the over-under is six. <laughs> I said, okay, 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 Dr. Charlie, I called him. And so I pick up the phone. Scott was gracious enough to answer, as he always does. And we get to talking. And within six, seven, eight minutes, we're, over, we're already at 10. 10 F-bombs, over and under. Because of the passion that he had you know, and what we were talking about, we just hit it off. You know, it, was, it was clearly a match made in heaven even many years uh, to, to, uh, to, to today. So. It, it, it was something that I uh, think fondly of, Scott, when we when we go back and what we've accomplished. So, yeah, that, that's cool. funny because I I don't think I've ever heard Scott cuss. So he's <laughs> he's come a long way, I, apparently. He sure has. I mean, he he absolutely has, and you know, but the passion comes out in different ways, and you know, we 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 work well together, and it's you know, it's a pleasure uh, talking recovery. Mark has like 12 phones, Michael, so that's why you hear something buzzing yeah. going off all yeah, the time. Yeah, no kidding. And Michael, the reason you haven't heard me swear is because I know you're recording this, so I want to be very careful because, God forbid, I upset somebody in a small town outside of Kansas. I don't <laughs> want to get, you know, I don't want them calling my rabbi and turning me in. So, Mark, so tell us, thanks for sharing that story. I, I always like hearing that story from you. Yeah. So, tell, you know, Mark, there's a lot of people in this industry that, you know, came into it for a variety of reasons, but would you share sure. with us why did you come into the industry? And I call it industry meaning 
why did you come into the treatment industry? You, you know, you're not a you're not a clinician, as far as I know, unless you got licensed at night when I wasn't watching. Uh, no, and, not, yet. not yet. And you were, you know, you're an entrepreneur with a business background. You know, married to a to a woman who's a you know a professional in her field, and you have children. So, what brought you into this industry? Well, I mean, much like many people, I was struggling with addiction uh, early on after going through the military and after you know, trying my own way at doing sobriety and management and business and other types of, you know, industries. Um, I was fairly successful in my mind. You know, I, I managed to keep a family alive and, and kicking. And my wife's a CPA, as you said. So she's much smarter than I am, even on my best days. And then, you know, toward the end, you know, into our later years after being married 15, 16 years, we hit our rock bottom. And uh, she started first. And, you know, she found it difficult to manage, you know, her disease, as I'm told many years later. And she went to treatment. So she got the help she needed. I watched her go through you know, things uh, on a personal level that I hadn't seen her muster up the strength to do before. And I was so proud and honored that, you know, I kind of jumped in with just one toe, so to say. And she got sober. And when she came out of treatment, she said, you know, while the experience in treatment for a 30-day inpatient was valuable, I learned so much more in other modalities and other groups I'd been part of. And it wasn't the treatment that's going to keep me sober. And, you know, I found that interesting because I thought at that time that treatment was going to be the fix all that, you know, someone goes away for 30 days, 40, 60 days that they'd be cured. And that was not the case. So she came out and said, you know, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to do this you know, a compassionate way. And so she started to write the business plan. And it took me, Scott, like what, eight, 10 months before I kind of got into it with her. And then she came to me one day and she gave me the name of the company. And she started to say that this is going to work and we're going to start in a couple of months. And I said, you know, how am I, how's that going to happen? I'm not even sober yet. Like, you know, I can't do a drug and alcohol program if I'm not sober. So I secretly said to myself, well, you know, maybe, maybe it won't happen. And she said to me, you know, no, I won't forget this ever. She said, Mark, you know, I love you. And I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know under what circumstances it's going to happen. I don't know how long it's going to take me to do it the right way to tell you this. But someday I'm going to come and tell you that drugs and alcohol are not going to be in my house, around me, or around my kids for the rest of my life. And pretty much for the first time in our marriage of 18 years at the time, I believed her emphatically. And 30 days later, I found myself in my first meeting. I went to some treatment. And I've been sober ever since, since September 24th, 2014. And the business started in October of 2014. Uh, it is thriving and uh, doing great work today. 
So I attribute the business to, you know, her moxie and her ability to be confident enough to do what was in her cards to do. And I found myself being accepted and welcomed into a business plan with my wife for the first time. And it's the best decision I ever made. So we've built a team of people that love recovery just like we do. Uh, we work almost all the time, but it's the most rewarding work ever. So I have to be, I have to give her props for that. Great, great story. Thanks for sharing that. So, you know, there's a question that comes up all the time I've seen it, and I'm sure you have as well. You know, how long does it take for someone to get, you know, the, the, I don't know if the, the term is cured or gets better or, you know, they get better from addiction. From your experience, you know, not only from your own personal recovery, but what you've seen in the treatment world, um, how would you answer that question? How long does it take? What, is it, what does recovery look yeah. like? What does getting better look like? And can you really get cured from this? Uh, I call it a disease of addiction. I think you and I have talked about it a lot. We think you agree with that. But from your perspective, what have you learned? I think, I mean, clearly, I mean, there's, everyone has their own timeline. Everyone has their own way of managing their lifestyle and their commitments and their goals and such. But when it comes to the disease of addiction, we have figured out with 100% certainty that this disease is manageable. It will never be cured and removed from us without our direct involvement in the process on a daily basis or nearly the rest of our lives. Many people don't want to hear that. They, they want to hear that there's a pill out there. And heck, if there was a pill, uh, we would have found it by now and we, we, we would market it, but it ain't there. So absent of some shot or pill or some pharmaceutical to make us better, uh, we have to work on it. So we have put in the system that six to 12 months in a recovery process, treatment plan, uh, managing a recovery program, treatment community, all of the above, over the course of six to 12 months, builds the foundation for a recovery lifestyle change that can be sustained uh, for years and years to come. So for example, when I first got sober, it took me about 12 months, 13 months, and that's when my epiphanies began to sink in so dramatically that I was able to learn how to manage a program on a daily basis, whether it was 15 minutes of using a tool or a meeting or a therapist session with my wife or going to therapy with my kids, how to be present long enough to have that day be so good and laid out that I would stay sober. So it wasn't a perfect day, but it was a day that I wasn't going to drink or smoke pot to run away from it. So in most cases we have seen it's that, you know, 12, right around, you know, eight to 14 month timeline. If people stay with it, committed, they're going to get the results they've always wanted. So, so let me ask you on a personal level, you know, you know, you said it, you're working full time and, and I know you have a couple of young children, your wife works full time. So how do you maintain you know, a combination of not only driving a full-time business and you do the full realm of treatment and you have sober living homes, how do you maintain your own personal sobriety yeah. and how do you maintain, you know, the, the role of dad, husband, friend, father, 
and and do all that and then of course spend the time that you need to not only run your program but also you know inspire the people that work with you how do you balance all that how does that work yeah. for you you know and i know you're a great schedule i remember one day you said last week or two weeks ago you go well i have time for you tomorrow from three to four but after <laughs> that i've got to go to these meetings. we're very organized so but how do you do that i mean it's yeah. that's a lot to do some for some people just being in recovery is a full-time job having a job is a full-time job and then you've got other things that you're doing so running a business mm-hmm. running a family working with you know your um significant other and how do you do do all that how does that work for you well i i mean i first off um i attend i i I attend my recovery on a daily basis what does that what does that mean attend that that means attends i'm present i am doing something like talking to you right now scott like right now i am i am emotionally connected to my recovery and those of the people that are listening today so i stay present I understand after these many years that if I stay in attendance of my recovery, I will get the gifts of recovery. So specifically, what do I do? I do what the the 12 steps of recovery and uh, Buddhism and, you know, other kind of non, I'm kind of thinking in some non-secular advice as well, therapeutic, goal setting, Dale Carnegie, you know, over the years, I have learned so much through my own personal growth that when recovery came into play, a lot of these things really started to make sense. I mean, like really started to, to kind of come to fruition. So personally, what I do is I, I reach out to somebody about recovery oriented principles on a daily basis, whether it's a two minute conversation on the phone or if it's a, a meeting uh, with other people in recovery, I call business people that I have relationships with, you know, and ask their advice and what they've done. I'm humbled today to know that I can't do this on my own. And what that does is it equates into a, mo- a more proper and relation to the, the, the relationship I have with my kids as a father has changed because of it. So I'm a quieter man. I'm a, a more empathetic father because the things that an 11 year old does is uncontrollable. And I want to be present for him when he is in need and lashing out or, you know, crying or happy about his baseball game. I want to be present. And these little tiny principle things that I do for a few minutes each day can remind me that that's my calling as a dad. I'm blessed that my wife's in recovery with me. And today, I mean, she left at 9.30 this morning and she was sober. And God willing, she'll be sober when she gets home at 1 p.m. So I am, I am also sober today and I'm grateful for that. So we share principles of our teachings that we get through uh, various inputs, you know. And I practice them. And, you know, that creates a level of humility. And with that humility comes the ability to ask questions and ask for help. And if I'm having trouble processing something, that's why I call you often and run this by you. I talk to you know, other people in recovery about, you know, just our meeting this morning. I talked about forgiveness, you know, and I haven't thought about forgiveness in months. About this one thing I haven't forgiven my brother for, it came up this morning in my meeting. So 
those are the kind of gifts that I get on a daily basis to manage all the, the business part, the kids, you know, and the relationship with my wife. Very good. So, you know, and your brother, he's a twin brother, right? No, I'm talking about the older one. Oh, actually. the other brother. Okay. I know yeah. you've got a twin brother. I remember yeah. watching you once on a, on a computer looking at yep. each other. That was, yep. that was kind of interesting. So, so you have kind of a, Present Moments has kind of a unique model. Would you, you know, and it's, you know, I call it, uh, you know, I think the framing you like is, and I like is the unique care model that, um, and you also have the sober living and the transitional housing. So you've got a, uh, what I would call a full continuum of care. Would you share a little bit about how, you know, when somebody calls you and says, you know, Mark, what's your differentiator? What's your secret sauce? What is it you do mm -hmm. that might mm -hmm. be different than say, um, you know, using an example, maybe Hazleton, Betty Ford, large mm -hmm. groups that are around the country? Because there's a lot sure. of treatment providers that make up a $40 billion industry. But you have, you have what I call a boutique operation. I mean, it's getting bigger, but it's kind of unique because it does offer the full continuum. And, you know, when you, you and I talk about serving people, you know, it isn't just a here's what you need for today. It's how do we keep right. you tethered? How do we keep you in the portal? How do we provide mm -hmm. the kind of support one needs to really get on that trajectory for change? So will you describe, mm -hmm. you know, what's unique about what you do? Well, you know, I'm so happy that the Hazleton Betty Fords, that the, you know, American Addiction Centers, the larger treatment centers are there. I'm also grateful for the, for the lower level uh, treatment centers that are in our community that are helping people every day. Our unique offering is that the tools you talk about of recovery, which can be learned, but they, you know, more importantly, they have to be checked up on. You know, we, we have to stay connected to people in recovery. So the continuum of care means time. It means from the time that someone picks up the phone for the first time, the second time, or the hundredth time, and they call us, that when they come into our continuum, they are, they are paid attention to for a long time, a long amount of time, six months, sometimes nine months. So anywhere from an intervention to, you know, talking with families, to how do we break the news? How do we, you know, get Johnny to change his mind? How do we get dad to see the light? How do we get grandpa or grandma, you know, to listen to what's best for them? know all of these things at the intervention stage and then offer them once that's taken care of offering them uh, an inpatient uh, model of of a standard 30-day program if it's warranted um, and if it's warranted are they ready for that or do they need to be detoxed you know do they have to be stabilized for five six seven days in order to take in the treatment so the continuum can go from an, from an intervention to a detox to an inpatient model for 30 days where, you know, once they've completed and engaged in their treatment, the most cost-effective way is to move them out of inpatient model and into an outpatient model. And that part of the continuum can be you know, done in an office. It can be done online. It can be done, you know, one-on-one -on -one at the beach or a mountain. Uh, for for a, a session with a therapist, while they're going through that outpatient model, many people need you know a place to live. Scott, they have to be able to you know be secured in their recovery while they're going through these trials and turbulations of being newly sober. So this secured housing or sober living environment, as you called it, or transitional housing, as some people call it, you know, is the ability to house them while they're in this 
third layer of the continuum. So they stay with other people of like mind. They stay with men or women that are single gender and, you know, are also new to recovery time, but are back system. They're in living in this environment while they're attending the options at that level of care. And that can go on for two, three, four months. So, you know, we have our intervention, we have our detox and our inpatient, which could be a month to 45 days. And then we have three or four months of sober living in the outpatient. And all the while, and almost every day, they are talking with somebody as a professional or a fellow in recovery about their own recovery. So they stay connected day after day after day after day in the same continuum of this care model that the disease requires to get the best outcomes. So this continuity is, is following them along this timeline, you know, until, you know, their outpatient clinic is done, but they're still living at the sober living house, you know, and now they start to see their therapist just once a week or twice a month. And now they're really engaged in their locally. Uh, going to meetings and doing seeing therapists going visiting their families again and now they're in their fifth sixth month and boom we've hit that that six to twelve month uh, timeline that they feel comfortable now going out on their own so the continuum of care deals with the amount of time that a person can stay with us or people related to us like you or people related to the industry like you know, a, a Facebook group or a Zoom meeting or a network of people that meet on the beach to talk about recovery, they can stay within that in a safe and secured environment knowing that they have a good place to go home uh, to that's safe. T- so, tell, me, tell me about, you've coined this interesting term called the four Ps of sober living. What, what is that? Yeah, well, once, it, I have because people needed to understand what we were what they were looking for. They would always call and say, you know, I'm looking for a sober living home for my father or my husband or my daughter. And, you know, I just want some information. So, okay, well, where do we start? So the four P's gives us a method to be able to map out how we categorize and how we evaluate various sober living operations. Okay. So the first P is a place. Okay. So where is it located? How far is it from shopping or jobs? Or is it in a single family house? Is it in a condominium? Is it um, how many bedrooms does it have? How many beds? You know, everything about the structure and location because treatment is local. So we have to have a local option when people come into that environment of sober living that the place be clean and secured and it has all of the amenities that someone would like to have at their own home. Uh, And that varies, of course, and it varies based on the program. So the second P is the program. You know, what does the program look like? Uh, What's the structure of of the policies and procedures within? How do we deal with COVID-19? How do we deal with a a curfew? Minus 10 p.m. and 12 p.m. on the weekends. They have any curfew, are they allowed overnights? The program has to do drug and alcohol screening. They have to have access to a lab or a doctor or, you know, the program can also have 
you know, how many meetings they have to go to. Do we give them amenities to go to the gym or food? You know, what's the program look like? Okay. And the program is going to be based on the people, the people that are in the sober living environment. So the third P is people or population. Do we serve men and women? Do we serve men only, women only, or are we co-ed? Uh, are they old? Are they young? Are they, you know, are they, are, they, are they employed? Are they unemployed? Are they school students? How much recovery time do they have? Do they have a little? Do they have a lot? Did they go to treatment? Are they fresh out of treatment? Um, do they have 10 years of sobriety but relapsed? So the population is kind of analyzed and, you know, find out if it works for your 55-year-old dad uh, who needs a place to live while he goes to outpatient or is he going to be with 18-year-olds or 20 or 25-year-olds? So the population is, is very important. And then the last P, of course, is price. Okay. We all have to, you know, make revenue in order to keep our doors open. Price comes down to all the three factors of the other piece, you know, the people, the program, and the place. And here in North County, we're, you know, what, six miles from the beach, a 15-minute drive. So the price is going to reflect real estate prices here in North County uh, in a single-family home with only seven people in the house. So, you know, the price needs to reflect is how do I take care of a family of seven plus an in-house manager, by the way. So that's eight. So how do I manage a family expenses of, of, of eight people? Is it monthly? Is it weekly? Is there a security deposit? Is there an admin fee, a drug testing supply fee? You know, all of the, the price elements within, is it a security deposit? So the, the price becomes a major buying factor and a major criteria of selecting a sober living home. So price, people, place, and program. Those are the four P's of sober living. So how is it when you put together your pricing structure, when you compare it to say some of the national firms who may have affiliates in multiple states and, you know, hundred beds here, 40 yes. beds there, you know, I use the term boutique because, you know, I came from a small retail business and we mm -hmm. called ourselves boutique because we weren't part of a national franchise. How are right. you able to be uh, competitive and simultaneously survive? Because you've got to pay the same level of uh, competency to clinicians and licensed professionals and work with doctors and psychiatrists and you have the full continuum of care. So how is it you're able to do that uh, and make it affordable, if you will, for the average family who's seeking treatment for one of their loved ones? Right, right. Great question. The, you know, resources, pricing, you know, rev is, is extremely important when treating somebody with substance use disorder, alcoholism, opioid addiction, heroin, you name it. Okay. So we as a business, you know, have to measure just like any good business does uh, expenses versus revenue. Okay. So what we do is the model of a, when, when I developed the continuum over the course of many years, obviously we had to start with one piece at a time. So, you know, in order to price uh, a 30 day stay with detox, you know, we looked at the, the costs that were required for us to maintain a safe, a, a, a clean environment, uh, morally speaking, the type of staff, the programs we would offer, 
you know, all of those costs associated with it. And then the state of California also has a list of criteria and policies and procedures that we have to, to follow. So we, we price it in a way that, you know, allows for profit and also allows for a high level of revenue for our employees. So those two things are required because that's what's going to sustain the business year after year. And we can help as, you know, the most amount of people possible. The other thing we have the advantage of is the continuum allows us to lower our marketing costs and outreach costs and cost per head bringing them in because they stay with us for a long time. And they stay with us for a long time. One, because we develop the offerings that are consistent with a proper treatment plan as written by doctors and therapists that are much smarter than me. It says, you know, we need to be able to keep them in this, this continuum in order to make sure that they are successful as best we can. So the person that comes in at the beginning for four or five levels of the continuum is priced as a way that, that covers costs and allows for profit for the company, but doesn't overly you know, gouge or you know, take advantage of people with a lot of experience, maybe been to treatment three or four times, you know, which is the case of some of us. And but at the same time, being able to cover the bills, we also provide scholarships. We also provide, you know, free treatment at various stages, depending on what the census is. So we make use of all of these creations uh, to keep our prices as low as possible. And then the last thing is that the employees, therapists, the doctors, totally committed to people in recovery. You know, we figured out a way to keep them on board, even when times are slow so that they are constantly available to those that need them at that time. And they love being there. They're committed to their own recovery in many cases. They love the people that they come in and see. They're smart. They're very focused on what they need to do to help people survive. And add all those things up, you know, and you've got a boutique shop that's been doing this, you know, more than five years. Excellent. All right. One more uh, treatment question I want to ask you about the continuum because it's, it's becoming very important, especially with the opioid uh, epidemic that we're having and the morbidity rate that continues to go up with the issues around the opioids and, of course, fentanyl and carfentanil and, and substance abuse in our country. And I think with mm -hmm. people hunkered down right now at home, the traditional binge drinkers become more of a bigger consumer. And I think we're going to see some significant rise in substance abuse and hopefully uh, we're going to be able to provide yeah. the resources necessary. But you know, the term M MAT, the medication assisted treatment, would you speak a little bit about that? Cause I know there's a lot of families who maybe have loved ones who have been through multiple treatments, uh, specifically younger men, women who are on opioids and there's a chronic relapse that seems to be going on. The industry shows about 95%, but there's a, not a new, MAT's been around quite a while, but there's some real thinking about how important it is. There are actually insurance companies that aren't even going to pay for treatment if you don't right. offer it. And the county right now in our community is telling um, providers that you better offer it and we're going to stop funding you. So can you share a little bit? We have a couple minutes left, but talk about the MAT and how important it is to integrate into uh, the programmatic piece of what you're doing. Right, right. Um, MAT is, is the wave of the future. And the reason why is that most people can't walk away from addiction alone. They need help to change addictive behavior into non-addictive health, healthy patterns. You know, they can get this help with treatment, with the care of doctors and substance use and abuse treatment providers. Medication-assisted treatment 
is treatment for the addiction that includes the use of medication, along with counseling and other support simultaneously. Treatment that includes medication is often the best choice for opioid and alcohol addiction. So if a person is addicted, this medication allows him or her to regain a normal state of mind, kind of like a the free of the drug-induced highs and lows throughout the day, but maintains this stabilized emotional state. And it kind of frees the person from thinking about the drug all the time. You know, the withdrawals, if I stop, the cravings that I want to use again. Okay. So these, these changes can give the person the chance to focus on lifestyle changes that lead back to healthy living. And this medication is typically buprenorphine or naltrexone. And so our MAT clinic at present moments was funded uh, by a grant by the Department of Healthcare Services of the state of California uh, last year. And we were one of the only for-profit companies that had developed a counseling and medication distribution clinic out of 150 companies. So we're very proud of the program we put together uh, those were 149 nonprofits and one for-profit company. So they're using us as a test market to kind of figure out if that is going to be, when, when coupled with counseling, what's our you know, census going to look like? How many people can we treat? What's the results and the outcomes of using medication on a daily basis? So medications is buprenorphine or naltrexone is given out to the client on a daily basis to uh, reduce the amount of diversion, you know, kind of giving it out or selling it. And we give them daily doses in the morning uh, for that day only. Uh, and then they come back in the following day, get their doses for that day. And then they attend counseling in 15 minute increments every day, plus two groups for one hour each week. We do this for months and months and months and months at a time. As long as the client wants to keep coming back in and use the medication that is FDA approved, we and doctor approved because of our medical director, and um, that gives them this ability to, you know, feel free from the cravings and the withdrawals of their drug of choice and get back to work, get back to their families. And then, if they need more treatment, uh, maybe an outpatient program, or they're ready to kind of start tapering off these medications. And the continuum can go ahead and provide those services to them. Right. So, so, so harm, harm reduction is kind of another term yeah. that I know is used a lot around that. And I also know there's other things like Vivitrol, Suboxone, and some people consider, you know, methadone also part of harm reduction. You yep. know, there's a, there's a lot of abstinence-based programs out there today that, you know, you can't even, if you're on medication, you, you can't go to those programs. If you're on a prescription True. medication, That's you can't even said. get into sober living. And I know they're really trying to change the terrain of that. And my attitude is, look, if we've got a documented 95% relapse rate after a 28-day stay, if nobody follows up with their own recovery or some sort of a treatment modality to support them, um, we, we've got to find ways to do better and be better. And I know that's uh, something you're part of as well. So, Mark, that being said, let me ask you, because we've got to wrap up, what is it you know, you'd like to tell the families, and then I'd like you to share information how people can contact you, and then we're going to wrap things up here. But what, what would you tell the families out there about what's important, how to 
get access to information, how to really, what questions to ask, what resources to go to, maybe where on the, the web they can go, how they can ask questions, and then um, we'll wrap things up. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Well, I mean, when the person is ready for treatment, uh, it's the family's responsibility to check out all the treatment facilities available to them regardless of their resources. The phone is very effective, but we also have to go face-to-face. -face. We have to talk to the owner. We have to talk to the clinical director or the medical director of the program to make sure that you know, the population is correct, that the people are licensed, that the therapists are, you know, want to be there. So we have to do our homework because we're not, the, the person most in need is typically not going to be the one that is going to do this kind of homework. So we do have to get involved once the addict or alcoholic is ready and only when they are ready. And so you have typically a two or three day window at best uh, to be able to do that kind of homework. So it's my hope that the family uses websites, videos, actual pictures of the facility, uh, look at the reviews, although scarce, because many people don't write reviews about the time they were in rehab, um, but we're getting better at it. Uh, we've got some reviews of clients that love us and actually one or two that actually hate us. So you're still going to get some of that kind of feedback. Uh, from your clientele, and that can help families make a better and more informed decision. And then ask them about their pricing model. You know, what's your price for 30 days? What's your per day price for detox? Okay, and see how they answer it. You know, are they honest? Are they bumbling around? Are they embarrassed that they have to charge money for a service that's going to keep their doors open? So all of those things will come into play. All right, really good information. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, how do people get a hold of you? How do they reach well, you? Yeah, they, you know, they can reach me anytime. The, the phone number is area code 619-363-4767. Again, that's 619-363-4767 is our main office. You'll be routed to, you know, someone for the proper level of, con of the continuum that you're looking for. Um, our website presentmomentsrecovery.com. You can see videos of our facilities, get information on our staff, see our bios, read up on me and Amy's story, you know, a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, when you call, you'll get someone, you'll probably get me, you know, and we'll talk, you know, like me and you're talking right now. We're going to find out what you're looking for, you know, and how we can help you find any level of the continuum, whether it's with present moments or with Scott or with Dave down the street, get the help that your family needs. Yeah, and I can attest to Mark's attentiveness with clients. We've sat in meetings. He's actually been in the front of the room. Yeah. Your presentation, a client call comes in. He goes, excuse me, it's a potential client. I'm going to take this call. Yeah. All right, Mark, hang in there for just a second. Mike, I'm going to throw it back to you. Anything you want to say, then I'll wrap up, and then we'll give it back to Mark for uh, the final thought of the day. How does that sound? Sounds perfect. Uh, no, I don't have any questions. Uh, it was a great conversation. I really Good. appreciate Mark coming on and, and sharing his story and about what he's doing with uh, addiction recovery. It's very exciting to hear that there's such a, you know, type of that type of process out there for people. But uh, Scott, go ahead and uh, wrap up with your end and then we'll have, have Mark give the positive thought for today. All right. Well, this is Scott H. Silverman. Thanking all of you for listening to our happy hour although it's only 30 minutes because Michael's still union. We're going to get him to be a little more flexible down the road, get a little more time on the show. And you can always reach me at 619-993-2738. Now I know we're in San Diego, but you can always call me 
you can always text me. It doesn't matter where you are on the planet. Don't be shy. And if I can help you get to someone like Mark, there aren't many people that do what I do. Um, and there's a lot of confusion out there for families. So if you're not sure what to do, 619-993-2738. And if I can't help you, I promise I'll find someone who can. And you can go on to my website, yourcrisiscoach.com, anytime, day or night, and I'll get back to you within 24 hours. Thank you for listening, and don't forget, we want to hear from you, your questions, thoughts, suggestions, and then we'll give it over to you, Mark, for uh, a closing special moment. Thanks, Scott. We don't remember days. We remember moments. May your lives be filled with joy. Be safe. Thank you for listening.